I'm used to saying good morning, church, but now I'll say good evening, church. How we doing? Okay, can you? Is that better? That's better. Okay. Good afternoon. Good evening, church. You ever have those times when Satan tries to get into you and tell you you're not worthy and you're no good and all those kind of things? Well, he's been working on me today with that. So I ask why I'm sharing this today. If you'll be saying a little prayer for me as we go along, I would appreciate it. The first thing I want to ask you is this. Do you believe that God's in control of everything? Your lives, you believe he's control in complete control of all the things going on in the world. As a believer, I would hope and pray that every single one of us would say absolutely yes to that. Because just like in verse 21, I'm sorry, verse 1 of chapter 21, it says the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Like the rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wishes. As we scroll and go through the Bible, starting at the Old Testament, all the way through, we see many kings in the Old Testament who did not believe in God, who had hardened hearts. And we see the wrath and all that God had on them at different times. Likewise, we see many kings in the Old Testament who before they went to battle or anything else, they went to the Lord in prayer, in trust, in faith. And we can see throughout Scripture how the Lord had his hand on them and their armies all throughout their battles. There's a song that I love that says the battle belongs to the Lord. It doesn't belong to you, Mike. It doesn't belong to my wife or to any of y'all out there. The battle belongs to God and God Almighty. And that's it. And if we truly believe that and we follow that, this journey that we're on right now, while it may be difficult in times, it's an easy journey because we know where we're going when we leave this place here. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs his heart. I kind of look at this as just a prideful, carnal man to begin with. We're always wanting to be right, aren't we? No matter what. No matter if we know in our hearts that we're wrong, we don't want to admit it, do we? And that's the thing about God. He already knows. He knows when we're wrong. He knows when we're sitting here and trying to just blow something over somebody that may not know the whole thing and try to make ourselves look good and look right. He knows our heart. Paul talks about this in Romans when he talks about the circumcision and the uncircumcision. He's talking about the heart. When we come to know Christ, first and foremost, it's a heart change. If we don't have the heart change, a truthful heart change, then I really don't think that we're right with the Lord to begin with because that's what we have to have. To do righteous and justice 
is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. I believe that absolutely. Because that's what the Lord wants out of us. He wants right and just children. He wants us being the example, doing the right thing. Talks about integrity. Is doing the right thing no matter all the time. Even when somebody's not around to see what you're doing. And that's what we as believers, we need to be doing is the right. A haughty look, a proud heart, and the plowing of the wicked are sin. Doing my study this week and looking at several different versions and study Bibles and all that, several of them changed that word plowing to lamp. So let's read it that way. A haughty look, a proud heart, and the lamp of the wicked are sin. I've said this before in different times that I've taught that pride is one of the biggest issues that we could ever have as Christians. If we are believers and we're true believers, and I know we're all human, we're sinners, there's not one of us in this park right now even the ones that aren't here with us that are perfect because we are sinners. But for us, for those of us that have accepted Christ, we're saved by the grace of God. Amen. We shouldn't be proud, uh, have a proud heart. We shouldn't have a haughty look because of the fact that whenever we have a haughty look, our proud heart, the world sees us, and they're like, so that's what it means to be a Christian, to have a haughty look about you, to be prideful. I, I don't believe that that's, that's anywhere in our makings as a Christian. And the lamp of the wicked are sin. We already know the wicked. They're wicked. It says they are. They're evil can't really say much more about the world than that right there. But you know what? Before we came to Christ, we were right there with them, weren't we? We were right there with them. We were wicked. We were evil. We might not have been committing murder or stealing or whatever, but you know what? Sin's wicked and sin's evil. And that's what we are sinners, but we're saved by the grace of God. The plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty, but those of everyone who is hasty surely to poverty. When we look at this first part of it, the plans of the diligent, it's the ones who we believe in Christ, we try to follow Christ, we try to be smart about the things that we're doing. It's not that we have that haughty look or that prideful way about us, but we have the joy and the peace in our heart of having Jesus Christ. And therefore, when we have that, we should be just that. We should be uh, diligent, and we should 
do everything that we can in our lives to continue to show that to this world. We should make smart decisions. I think sometimes about well, I'll just use an example of Paula and I. Oh, not in my mouth, is it? Okay, I'm sorry. She's back there directing me. But anyhow, well, more than several, about 2014, we had an opportunity to move to Wyoming. I was going to take a job. I used to be an air traffic controller. The only thing on my resume that was missing was managing a facility, pretty much. I had an opportunity from a friend who was retiring from it, wanted me to come there. Well, you know, first thing I get is I get this prideful act about me. Yeah, I'm going to fill out my resume completely. I didn't take it to the Lord at first. I'm thinking, yeah, this is something that I could not put one more notch on the, on the wood there that I've done that. And then my wife and I, we got to talking about it. We're like, well, have we really played, prayed about it? And I'm like, thanks, now you're getting spiritual about it and all that kind of stuff. And I said, no, I hadn't really. I'm just thinking about my career and about, you know, advancing a little bit more and making a little more money for you. And then we got real spiritual because some of you will remember some very close friends that we have, Wayne and Linda Jensen. So I got a hold of Blaine and got a hold of Linda, and I said, I want y'all to come alongside us, and I want you to pray for us about this move. And that's why I'm talking to you about this right here, because I truly believe that when we get here and we're making decisions, they need to be godly decisions. They don't need to be worldly decisions, individual decisions by us. They need to come from him above, first and foremost. Make a long story short, because I could make it long. We didn't go to Wyoming. We're still here. Wayne told me, said, I got no idea why you want to go to Wyoming. Lord hadn't given me any insight on that, and I don't think you need to. And, I, and it was amazing, because two days later, he showed my wife and I the same exact thing that we needed to see that it wasn't his wish, his will. So we need to be uh, listening to the Lord, taking things to the Lord in prayer. And I think I probably chased a rabbit, but anyhow. Those of everyone who is hasty, okay, that's where I was going with that, because we tend to get hasty at times. And we just jump at the gun. And then we're like, oh, man, what are we doing here? Why are we here? Because we didn't take it to the Lord. So let's try and remember that. Getting treasures by a lying tongue is the fleeting fantasy of those who seek death. Well, those two words right there, lying tongue, ought to say it all to us there. We all know we all know that you truly don't gain anything by lying. Because once we start lying, most of the time you gotta tell another lie to try and cover the first lie. So we, we know as believers that we uh, we need to 
stay away from that. The violence of the wicked will destroy them because they refuse to do justice. That's very, very true because no matter how successful or anything else the wicked get, God Almighty will take care of them in due time. They may get they may get things here and there and make things look good, but you know, this is a temporary life we're on we're at here. Our big goal is eternity. And when we have Christ as our Savior, we have that guarantee. Not maybe or maybe or we can. We have that guarantee that when our life is finished here, that we will spend eternity with Him in heaven. The wicked, we all know where they're going to spend eternity unless they change their ways. And God can change their heart. He changed mine. I used to be a bad dude. I wasn't a motorcycle guy or anything like that, but I was not a good guy. And he changed me, so I know if he can change me, he can change anybody around me. The violence of the... I just did that, didn't I? Yeah, I told you this wind's playing havoc with me. The way of a guilty man is perverse, but as for the pure, his work is right. God is amazing. And I don't know about you, but every time I, I hear anything about his work, his work is perfect. My work is not. If it was up to me, I would never stand up in here in front of you doing this. Because that would not be me and my nature as Ken Kirvin. But because of the changes that he's made in my life, the changes he's made in your lives, we do things that we never dreamt possible. And that's because his work is pure and his work is right. Okay, that's verse 8. Let's skip down to verse 10. The soul of the wicked. I can't do that because my wife has already made sure of this. I love you, darling. Better to, to dwell in a corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a contentious woman. Some versions use the word that starts with an N and says, might say nagging. I'll say that for Nagging woman. I'm going to jump over to Proverbs 12, verse 4, real quick. Right? I want to get it exactly right. That's why I'm going specifically to it. Proverbs 12, verse 4 says, An excellent wife is the crown of her husband. But she who causes shame is like rottenness in his bones. I didn't write the words, I'm just reading. I spoke on this back a year and a half ago, gentlemen. I charged us as the men of God, as the husbands, as the fathers, 
to live our life, to emulate our lives as close to Jesus Christ as we can. I shared a special verse with y'all that day. It's called Ephesians 5.25, where it talks about husbands are to love their wives. How? I know the motorcycle's drowning you out. As Christ loves the church. And I told you then, I'll tell you today. If we are loving our wives the way Jesus Christ loves us and loves his church, are we going to have any contentious wives, women in our house? We should not. We're human. We're sinners. I know that. But God has given us a special place as a man, as a husband, as a godly man. And he's given us specific things that we're to do. If Jesus Christ didn't love you the way he loves you, the way he loves me, would there be any need for us to even be here right now? No. Because why? Because we wouldn't have the opportunity to know for sure, without a doubt, that we're going to heaven. But because he loved us, he loved you. He loved you, Ted. He loves you, Alex. Julie. There's a bunch of Julies out here. So I can't use all of them at one time. He loves you that much that he took, he took that cross willingly for your sins that you could spend eternity with him in heaven. So gentlemen, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this verse. There's another one in here a little bit farther that I'm just going to say revert back to verse 9 because of the fact that if we're living our lives the way we're supposed to live, that verse, we're not even going to have to look at it. If we're not living the way we're supposed to, and young man, y'all listen to me too, because I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to be in this position one day. God God help you. He's got he's to make for you. And I want to challenge all you young men and you young ladies. You're not off the hook. I want you to start today if you haven't already. Praying for the mate that God has for you in the future. I want your parents, if they're not already, to start praying for your kids, for their mates. Because it means a lot when you when your child finds the right mate that God has for them. Because God's perfect, as we already have seen. But we, as humans, as individuals, can make mistakes. We can, at times, do the things that we shouldn't be doing. And they can lead to certain situations happening. But I'm telling you right now, even when we make a mistake, God can use it for his good. I'm an example right here. My marriage is an example of that. They gave us six months when we got married and said we 
everybody was saying we wouldn't last six months. And if I count them right, I don't have enough fingers and toes. We just hit 36 years. So God's good all the time. And all the time, God is good. On to another verse. The soul of the wicked desires evil. His neighbor finds no favor in his eyes. You see so far how this scripture is talking a lot about evil, isn't it? Because there's a lot of evil in this world. It was back then, it's right now here in, the, in our day and time now. I look at that and I think about our neighbors. You know, I, we're blessed. We have some great neighbors around where we live, but we kind of live in an older age subdivision, so to speak, and all that too. That might help. I don't know. But, you know, I just, I just wonder what it would be like to really have evil neighbors around you. It could be you for good, I guess, because you have, have a chance to witness, but at the same time, to be sitting there and knowing this and that and the other about what's going on next door and all, probably pretty tough. But that's where God would could use us and will use us each and every day of our lives. He who loves pleasure will be a poor man. He who loves wine and oil will not be rich. This right here, I just... I look at the word pleasure. I think about this world that we're in now. This world offers up all kinds of pleasure for us, doesn't it? We have to be careful, don't we? Because when we're when we're in there getting involved with that, there's all kinds of things. I look at you young people these days and man, I thought I had it rough when I was when I was young, man, I thought life was tough. I look at what y'all go through nowadays, and I want y'all to know I pray for you every day. I want y'all to know that I'm very proud of the youth we have in this congregation. We are blessed beyond measure with this. And I challenge you parents to continue doing what you're doing. Because from everything that I see out here, you're doing a fantastic job keep it up the wicked shall be a ransom for the righteous and the unfaithful for the upright well we know one that the upright we know that God's going to take care of us he's going to see us through whatever it is that we're going through we know that the wicked they have the opportunity to change they have the opportunity to come to know Christ. It's called free will. And if they don't, then that's going to be on them. Because once they hear the word of God preached to them, and they're, ab they're above the age of consent, then it's on them. And the choice is, is theirs, whether they want to make it or not. Now think of John 3.16, John 3, and it says, For whosoever believeth in him. And that right there tells you that not everybody is going to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But everybody's going to have that opportunity. 
And unfortunately for the wicked, they're going to be dealt with in a way that I thank God that I'm not going to have to worry about. Okay, verse 19, we're going to refer it to, back to verse 9. Better to, what, to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and angry woman. Verse 20, there is desirable treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man squanders it. Once again, this starts out and tells us about a wise, knowledgeable man, woman, who believes in the Lord, who follows the Lord, and makes wise, good, wise decisions for all that they do. However, the foolish man squanders it and just lets it all go. And all they care about is living in the moment, whatever it is that they want to get or do at that time. He who follows righteousness and mercy finds life, righteousness, and honor. I think this verse speaks all for itself, tells us exactly what life is, is like, what life should be for us. If we, if we follow righteousness and mercy, we're going to find life, righteousness, and honor. And, you know, a lot of people in this day and time, they want to ridicule Christians. I've got a t-shirt at home. I used to wear some. I haven't worn it in a while. And the back of it says, I'd rather stand by God and be judged by the world than to stand by the world and be judged by God. I hope everybody in this park right now that hears these words agrees with that. Because that, as a Christian, that's exactly how we should be. I don't care if somebody can think I'm a nerd or I'm a goof or whatever because I believe in Jesus and I follow Jesus. Hey, when my days are numbered and when my days come, come and I'm taken away, I know that I'm going to glory land. There's an old timey song, you youngsters won't know it, but hopefully some of y'all my age and a little older know it. It's called Sweet Beulah Land. Anybody ever heard of it? I'm not going to sing it for you, so we're going to move on. <laughs> but you can Google it or YouTube it and listen to it. And it's a wonderful, wonderful song. And it tells about what it's going to be like. And I can't wait to take my heavenly flight, as that song says, and go to sweet Beulah Land. A wise man scales the city of the mighty and brings down the trusted stronghold. Whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from troubles. I want to stop right here for just a minute. You know, when I was reading this verse today, I got to thinking about the uh, scripture, and it's in uh, James, and it talks about our uh, tongue and uh, it's a small member 
of the body, but yet it can do so much damage. And that's, you know, that's how with the mouth and tongue, that's how we have to be careful. We have to, because a lot of times we don't think about what we're saying. And I'm talking about myself right now. I'm not talking about any anybody else. And I have to pray hard about that at times. It may be saying something bad about somebody or you may be saying a word that uh, that you shouldn't be saying. And we have to we have to uh, pay close attention. And I don't know if there's anybody out here right now that struggles with cursing, but I'm I'm going to let you know this: that if you pray hard enough and you're sincere enough about it, God will, can and will take that away from you. Because I stand right here and I'll testify to you in person in front of my wife. She'll admit it. I used to cuss worse than a sailor. For years and years and years. And uh, our oldest son one day, he was about 12 or 13. We were over in Germany. And I just let a line rip or whatever. And uh, he looked at me and he's like, you know... What you say tells people a lot about what your IQ is. Yeah, go ahead and laugh. I wasn't laughing. I wasn't laughing. I'm fortunate that I loved him. I still love him. Don't get me wrong. I still love him. But he wasn't my favorite person at that point in time. But I, I just say that because... We're, we're in a world now that cursing is nothing. It's just a daily life. And I don't mean just a little bitty mild ones. I mean just all kinds of stuff that, I mean, my mom's 85, and I don't even say hell in front of her. You know? And, you know, things that are coming out now, it's like, man, we need prayer in that. But I, I know that if if we ask God to cure it, he will. But we have to be sincere about it. And we have to try time and time again to stop it. Otherwise, we're just, you know, saying this up there. And he's like, you don't mean it. So that's just old man word, word of advice, I guess, like Rory was uh, praying for earlier. A proud and haughty man, Scoffer is his name. He acts with arrogant pride. Once again, we just, we get to this proud and, and haughtiness. And I hate to say it, it's, just, it's not just the lost, the unsaved that act arrogant and prideful and all. We as Christians do that a lot of times. And that's, that's not what we're supposed to be about, brothers and sisters. We're supposed to be humble and meek. We need to ask God, we need to pray every day and ask the Lord to keep us humble. Because when the world sees us walking around and, we act, and we're acting like that, why would they want to have a part of that? 
when you're just arrogant and, and all that, we're supposed to emulate Jesus. I don't think Jesus was arrogant, was he? He wasn't proud hearted. He was as humble and meek as you could come. So we just, we need to remember that. The desire of the lazy man kills him for his hands refuse to labor. He covets greedily all day long, but the righteous gives and does not spare. Did I miss a verse up here somewhere? I told you I'm getting old and forgetful. Did I miss the verse about the poor? Have I not gotten there yet? Anyhow. The desire of the lazy man kills him, for his hands refuse to labor. He covets greedily all day long, but the righteous gives and does not spare. I look at this and I, I think about how some people they just don't want to work they just you know I, I'm in a job right now with security we can't find people to work and the, the last time I checked you know we weren't still paying out unemployment payments and all that kind of stuff and you know I'm I'm having to work five and six days a week to help keep our our security going up there and you know it, it's like they don't want to work they just want to stay at home but yet they want all these handouts they want us to give them money or, or this and that and the other for food and all that kind of stuff and it just you know it it bothers me but then again I look down here right below it but the righteous gives and does not spare the righteous you know category there have you do you follow Jesus yes I do Lord I try to follow you the best I can then what are you supposed to do you're supposed to treat them like they're my children because they are my children they're made in the image of me and we have to uh, continue to live what he uh, what he tells us to live not for us. Once again, we talk about, you know, the Lord takes care of, of all, the good and the bad. We just have to continue walking our walk. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination. How much more when he brings it with wicked intent? Yes, wickedness, evilness is an abomination to God. When they try to bring a sacrifice and just try and say, well, here I am, I, I brought this sacrifice. God knows their heart. Once again, it's it's a, it's all about the heart. And when they uh, bring it with wicked intent, that's just going to intensify it even more. A false witness shall perish, but the man who hears them will speak endlessly. That's one thing that we have to be aware of and we have to be careful of because in this world, Scripture even tells us 
that there will be wolves in sheepskin. And that's why I ask you to pray diligently for the leadership in, the, in this church because we have to be ready, willing, and able at those moments when those things happen to take action to protect the flock and to take care of, of the flock. A wicked man hardens his face, but as for the upright, he establishes his way. Another, uh, another version uh, reads it, a wicked man covers his face, but as for the upright, he establishes his way. I looked at this, I've, I've studied it, and the wicked man at times wants you to think that he is good. He wants to, he wants to deceive us and make us believe that all is well, and we'll just say he's a good person. As for the upright, he establishes his way. I think that we should always as believers in Jesus, go back to that word, emulate Jesus. We should all, the best of our abilities, walk upright in the Lord every single day of our life. We should be prepared at any moment's notice to share that gospel, Whereas, whether it's in, this, in a park like this, whether it's at school, at our workplace, because when we establish our way and we walk upright with him, others around us are seeing that. And they know that there's something different about us. And if they don't know the Lord and Savior, hopefully one day by the way that you are acting and treating them and talking to them, they're going to ask you what it is that's so different about you. And I'm going to share an example real quick. Like I used to work at the construction gate. I worked long hours. I worked in the afternoon all the way through night, through the night. There, is that better? Okay, I'm just making sure. But anyhow, I had this young man, he's a very good friend of mine now. He drives a red Ford F-150. And he drove up one day. I walked up to him. Ask him how he's doing. He said, what makes you so happy every day? Because I come to work and I don't want to be here. I said two words to him. Can you imagine what they were? One of them, the first word starts with a J. And the second word starts with a C. I said, Jesus Christ. The bad thing was, before I said that, I had already badged him in. So he was good to go. And as soon as I said Jesus Christ, he floored the F-150 and was gone before I could say anything else to him. If you want opportunities, just ask the Lord to put an opportunity in front of you. But I'm going to tell you right now, you better be ready to act because he's going to do that. But we have to walk upright. We have to establish our way. There is no wisdom or understanding or counsel against the Lord. You agree with that? I agree absolutely with it because God's in total control. There's no one or nothing that out there that can go against 
his word. The horse is prepared for the day of battle, but deliverance is of the Lord. You know, back in the back in the uh, Old Testament days, they didn't have the Abrams tanks and things like that for battle. So the horse was their main go-to for for their battle to uh, to go to it. So yes, they had to prepare the horses for the day of battle. But this last statement here sums it all up. But deliverance is of the Lord. And we've seen many, many times before how God would deliver his people in the battles. We see many, many times now in our lives how the Lord delivers his people from the battles. He's the same to, uh, yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He's not going to change. And that concludes Proverbs 21.